There's a story inside every smoke shop, with every cigar, and with every person. Come be a part of the cigar lifestyle at Boveda. This is Box Press. Welcome to another episode of Box Press. I am your host, Rob Gagne. I am in the studio and so gracious that I have a gentleman, one of the biggest people in tobacco, flew in for a couple events, see some accounts, and he graciously let me know he was stopping by. I have Omar DeFrias from Fratello Cigars. Omar, thank you for joining thank me. Thank you. Thank you, man. I, I'll tell you, the, the hospitality since I've been in Minnesota, Minneapolis has been incredible. Well, first night we, you came in, we went out to Manny's Steakhouse and then yeah. back here had some cigars till what, 2.30 in the morning? <laughs> I mean, it, does, it doesn't stop. I mean, when you have good conversation and good tobacco and good drinks, yeah. it just... You're like, wow, it just keeps going. I've only experienced that one other time when I play like intense board games. Mm. I don't know. Are you a gamer at all? Please Video gamer? Elab- elaborate on the intensity of a board game. Because every single time I think about a board game, I think about a board dumb game. No. But that's not uh, true. These are like, you know, almost like uh, Settlers of Catan, but more intense than that. Oh, okay. So like fighting and you know building you know resources and then trying to conquer different lands and i remember looking down at the at the time on my watch and i was like oh my god we started this thing at 7 30 and it's 11 30 now and i was like wow where did those four hours go intensity there you go okay. yeah yeah intense board games i'm gonna have to check on that man i don't think uh last time i played board game i think it was Monop- monopoly or it was life one of those two lived in santa domingo That's right. dr yeah. Dominican Republic. And then you ended up moving to Arizona for a United States student exchange program. That's right. You said there that being without family mm-hmm. really made you grow up quickly. Yeah. You had to embrace independence quickly. Yeah. What does that feel like? Because we've all kind of had that, you know, that literally shove off. Yeah. Like you got to go do this on your own. Yeah, uh, Rob. Something something that I uh, to me was very interesting growing up in the Dominican Republic is all I wanted to do was play boss basketball. I didn't want to do anything else. Play ball. Um, I was an average uh, student, and um, but I was I was fascinated with basketball, and so I had the opportunity to do an exchange student program where it had allowed me to play ball here. Uh, we ended okay. up winning four a, you know, national uh, you know state championship uh, that year as well. Um, but what was different for me was growing up alone without my family environment and that grows you up really fast because right. nobody really cares about you that much as your family does and so when you're living in somebody else's house and you're having um, you know somebody else's food and you are you know involved in other people's and family problems it's it, it, it it's really fast you notice really fast that although you are you are there you're part of the family but you're, it's not not really. I mean, you right. are you are you're part of the family gatherings and environments, but your mom and dad, man, it's like it's it's they're not being there, and your family, your f- closest friends, your it's it grows you up really 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 fast. What so, made you feel like you had to grow up really fast to, in order to survive? Like, what so, thing did you know? You're like, I got to do this. So my scholastics was something that was not a priority for me. Um, I always thought that I was just you know. I wasn't uh, I wasn't the best student and you know never really cared about it too much and all of a sudden I come to the US and I you know I start paying attention I look at the I look at math I look at biology I look at chemistry I look at all these different things and some of these things just start making sense I, don't ask me why it's just like oh, okay so I guess this goes like this and um, I, I guess I, I open up my eyes a little bit more and showed a little bit more interest that's it you applied yourself yeah that's it it's no there's nothing more to it um, I just looked at it as like Paying attention to the teacher. Okay, that makes sense too. Yeah, None pay attention, right? That's it. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't some divine intervention, but it was... Because you're no slouch to academia. Yeah. I mean, when I'm looking at your spreadsheet, you have quite the rap on... Uh, I mean, you you went to four colleges? Yeah, so um, th- three, four, three, three colleges that uh, are you know with four years, and then I went, I did some studies in between. Right. Um, you got your MBA. Yeah. You have a major in business and management. I mean, 
you are no slouch to academia. So yeah. once you kind of caught that wave, it must have been, hey, the the door's open. I can do anything. It, it definitely created a, a sense of urgency for sure. sure. I graduated from RIT. Did a, I went to graduate from the Dominican Republic first. Um, I had a major in marketing in the DR. Came to the U.S. and I had a major in business management and a minor in international relations. And when I graduated from RIT, it was 2001. Um, and so I was ready to kind of go into the work environment. 2002 was my actual formal graduation. So what I ended up doing was um, when I went to look for a job, 9-11 happened. And I was like, uh, there's no jobs. <laughs> and so the only position that was offered to me was a commission-only copier salesman in RIT in Rochester, New York. I was like, hmm. Maybe it's going to be a little too cold for me for the rest of this time. Yeah. You, you know. Yeah. You know oh, cold. yeah, I know. You know cold. This is, it's cold here. <laughs> it's even cold today. And it's I'm cold. Like, technically it is. In You're going to be up in a jacket and you're like right. chilling in like a normal shirt. I'm right. like, there's no way. Yeah. No. <laughs> but, um, but the reality uh, is, you know, once I decided to say, well, I'm just going to get my MBA, you know what I mean? I replaced my MBA dreams for an MBA. Um, it was, it was, it, it just, it was so much easier after that. I mean, really? I had a job offer from Kimberly Clark in uh, Wisconsin. That wasn't going to happen. I'm afraid of the cold. Yeah, right, right. Uh, Nina, Wisconsin, out of all the places. Procter & Gamble, but that was in Puerto Rico. I kind of wanted to leave the island. And then uh, IBM and, uh, and NASA were kind of like my top uh, choices. Okay. Uh, at that time, I wanted to kind of get married, and the uh, option for IBM was like territory manager for the Northeast. So I'll be traveling 80% of the time. So I was like, eh, let me just stay local and it shows nasa so that's why nice oh my gosh and when people hear nasa of course they just think of the the sheer i don't know clout that it has it with does. like just having really like you you said it in another interview like when we need to specialize in something whether it be you know particle acceleration exactly. gravity something uh you know plastics whatever it yeah. is we try to hire the best. Oh, absolutely. And you just go straight for the person that knows everything about plastics. 100%. So and that's you, just kind of the, like, how intense is that to be surrounded by somebody that knows so much about one thing? It's, um, it, it's, it's exciting at the same time because you talk to them and, and literally the 80% of the entire conversation, 80%, is all if you if you're talking to somebody who is specializing in 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 thermodynamics or you know specializing in in you know helium or anything like that and you're just talking to them 80% of the conversation is going to be around gases 80% of the conversation is going to be around materials and the effect of materials and so it's incredible to just sit there and see everything around this person's life is around this and you learned a lot about managing because you were managing a five billion dollar budget for 10 percent of the world's science yeah so that management of assets management of resources you were connecting a lot of different people with people across the world you know you get this person this data and then take that data and move it over here to this person so that they can further their science as well yeah um with that, we've talked a lot about how you feel that has helped your cigar business because yeah. you feel that some of the times most cigar makers are worried about how much inventory they have, how much tobacco they have access to. And what you really did is you sought out to go to some of the biggest producers. You went to La Aurora, which is the oldest and probably one of the biggest in the mm -hmm. DR, if not the biggest. And then you also went to Hoya de Nicaragua uh, in Nicaragua, and they are the oldest in Nicaragua yeah, and right. one of the biggest. So you feel confident that you have plenty of resources to make not only the blends you currently have, but then go on and make new ones. That's exactly right. I mean, in, in, in making those decisions, uh, Rob, allows you to to also create and build upon a relationship, right? I mean, and right. so I um, I really connected from the very beginning with Dr. Alejandro Martinez Cuenca and Juan Ignacio. We had a great conversation. It was fantastic, man. We would be talking for hours about so many things, you know, at the moment of kind of like starting, you know, from the very beginning on certain things. And so what ended up translating was um, ended up, 
you know, producing about, I produce about 70% of my production uh, at Hoyo de Nicaragua in Esteli. And then uh, the rest of my production comes out of Dominican Republic with La Aurora. So both all the cigar factories in both countries. So we're in real, really good hands. I didn't know 70% of your portfolio was Nicaraguan. Yeah. I thought it would be the other way around being you're from the DR. Yeah, no, and I get that all the time from the Dominican Republic. They're like, bro, you're like a Dominican producing cigars in Nicaragua with an Italian name. What are you, the United Nations of cigars? And I'm like, hey, man, we just just spread the love. You're a global guy, man, coming from NASA. You know what it's like, right? Exactly. That's a good point. So if people don't know what fratello means, yeah. it means brother in Italian. That's right. And why did you choose that as your name? It's my nickname from college. Really? Yeah. So yeah. your nickname from college is fratello. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, I was being the smartest in college. I started uh, taking an Italian class, and I learned that fratello meant brother. So I would be like, "Yo, what's up, brother? What's up, fratello?" People started calling me my fratello. I was like, "No, no, no." call me my fratello yeah i'm calling you like fratello and so i started battling the moment i noticed that i started like replying is don't call me my fratello that's my nickname damn yeah right i knew right then and there you don't choose your parents brother no you choose your nickname you in never life. choose your name. never never the only person that was able to pull that off was kobe bryant man he rest in peace with yeah the black mamba thing yeah 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 <laughs> so you were fratello yeah, yeah, that's right. That's and now right. that was the the spawn of your, obviously, cigar brand. So mm-hmm. that's awesome. Um, I wanted to dive deep into a little bit of what what do you think people value yeah. out of cigars? Like, what is it that gets them excited about enjoying a cigar? I think it's the moment. I think it's the experience. I think it's the, um, the I'm glad I'm done with my day. Let me go smoke a cigar. I think it's the social aspect of it. I think it's the moment when you step into your favorite retailer and just go and say, hey, John, what's going on, man? How's life? And uh, can, I get a, can I get a cigar? Let me get what, you know, if you want to get them involved, I think, it's, I think it's the experience of the person that need in that moment. Uh, what's going to happen over the weekend? How does he plan his day? Uh, how do he even start the day? You know, because right. a lot of a lot a lot of us, for sure, when we um, have early commutes or we have to go some places, we light up a cigar in there in the day, and man, that's that's our that's our moment. That's the moment where we're just with ourselves. So I think it's the re- the the thing people value the most is the moment or the expectation of when they're gonna smoke a cigar. Right. Yeah, kind of. I mean, I tend to choose my cigar based on my moment, whether it's you know, with a meal, with time of day, whatever. With that being said, what is probably one of the first cigars you would recommend out of your portfolio to somebody who wants to try a new, you know, they've never tried Fratello before? Yeah. What's the What's the top three that I'm going to go to? So, you know, it's always, um, I was having this conversation with my uh, cousin earlier. It's... Um, I was telling her she was asking me, "Hey, what do you, what, what, what's your favorite, what's your favorite cigar?" It's like, "What's your favorite child?" You know, it's like I, I, we. There's so many cigars that I would choose depending on the suit, depending on the moment. Um, if I would go out for a very nice, beautiful steak dinner, what I want something afterwards. It's not something too bold. I want something more medium. I want something more nutty. I want something that can kind of contrast a lot of that salt, pepper, heavy potatoes, you know, heavy fat meal. I want something a little bit more on the medium body side, not something too strong. I want something more on the medium body side. And so, um, but in the morning, man, if I want to start off with my coffee, I start off with my Fratello Classico and my Fratello Arlequin, what we're smoking right now. Yeah. This is a beautiful cigar to start off my, at least I start off my day with it, a beautiful Prinzalo. Uh, what do you think so far about this? Blog? I love this cigar. You gave yeah. this to me on the night you came in and I was like, this is yeah. great. It's got a nice sweetness to it. That's the, Olo, what's the? We put uh, Olor Dominicano yeah. uh, on it, but we also put Pelo de Oro Peruvian tobacco on this blend. Okay. Uh, it's got Nicaragua, it's got Ecuador, and it's got uh, also uh, San Andres Claro wrapper. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. It's great. Thank you. Love it. So I got to go back to the heavy meal because yeah. most people would say, oh, after a big steak meal, you can have that cigar because mm-hmm. it has more nicotine or it's stronger. And that's not your... Not for me. Not for you. No, because if I get a cigar that's too full body, 
then it's it's more explosions of flavor in my mouth and i want something to kind of you know smoothen it down a little bit i'm very big on pairings and um it, it to me it's more of like i want my palate to kind of like balance out a little bit more than continue to have those explosions of flavor man especially after a big heavy meal right i mean that meal that we had at Manny's the other day, man, was fantastic. Right. But, you know, I want something to calm me down afterwards. Okay. Yeah. That's good. That goes against the status quo, which That's is interesting. That's right, baby. You got to go against status quo sometimes. <laughs> well, absolutely. And I, what I've noticed is the majority of the stuff in the cigar industry, whether it's I judge the, the strength of the cigar by the color of the wrapper or I judge the cigar based on um, – you know just its length or shape it's yeah. like none of that actually really ends up panning out you just yeah. got to smoke it that's it smoke the cigar yeah i mean but there's a cigar that i uh like you know if you ask me about a blend that i want to do in a celebratory moment that i know ages incredibly well then try the fratello naveta naveta stands for shuttle in italian uh, it's the blend that i did after the men and women of the space shuttle program it's a gorgeous gorgeous cigar uh Habana, ecuador oscuro chocolatey blend it is it has ups and downs it's got beautiful valleys it's got great mountains there's just so much happening with a cigar um and so that that cigar has a specific moment as well and so for me it's always about choosing the moment very much like you you were saying too the other night that getting complexity out of a cigar because you're all buying pretty much the same tobacco you have access to a lot of the same tobaccos that's the hard part that's where blending yeah. truly gets yeah. made because yeah. you can make a cigar but then at the end of the day it's like okay how can i make this more complex yeah. or how can i get this so that it has this flavor so have you learned some of those i mean obviously you're 100%. relying on the factory 100%. and those experts to tell you and guide you 100%. down the right road I, um, I tell this all the time. I don't consider myself a master blender. I consider myself a master tester. I will test and test and test and test until I cannot test anymore. But I, I know what I like. I know what I want. I know what my... I, I've, I believe I have an amazing palate. Um, it just has to do with with is it is are the things that i am you know vocalizing transferring to the team right so for me it's like i depend on mario juan the, the team at hoya the rollers and we're all there all the time together i don't launch a whole bunch of cigars all the time because i would like to take my time but i want to make sure that whatever it is that we're launching it kind of makes sense with the market right and so and with the uh the, the story of what we're trying to do but if you think about it this way it's like for golfers out there, uh, you guys will understand this. It's like if you have your nine iron versus your eight iron versus seven iron, you know how far when you go and put that ball in there, you know how far you you you're, you have the ability to hit that ball with your nine. If it goes 120, 130, whatever that is, but you know what that is if you hit it straight, right? right? Assuming that it's going straight. Right. It's the same thing with cigars. Like I, I, I've, I've had enough experience already with some of these tobaccos that I already know what I'm getting out of these things. So if you, if I'm telling you, hey, I want to use some Peruvian and I want to use some of San Andres, but I want to use San Andres Negrito, I want to utilize this tobacco from Ecuador. But so now instead of me just saying, hey, like at the very beginning, it's like, give me something medium body, let's work on this, da, 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 and just testing it. Now it's easier to guide because I know by the core and the just the core of my heart, I know the ingredients of every one of right. my cigars. So it's like cooking. And so yeah. I uh, it makes it much easier to, to have that conversation. Yet I still know very little, Rob, uh, about the industry. Um, you know, I think you will always, we will always be apprentices of it, but it's going to be, but now you can speak on it much better than right. you could before. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. All right, a guilty pleasure that you have that no one else would know about. <sighs> guilty pleasure, man. You caught me on that one. Um so a guilty pleasure that I have um, that no one would know about. Damn, that's a good question. Um. <laughs> Moment of truth. Oh God, man! When I go to when I go to bed, okay, before going to bed, if it's on a Friday or Saturday or something like that, and I already done my workout for the day. Um, but I'm ready to do a little cheat sheet. I go home and I get me a very big, I go to Baskin Robbins and give me pralines and cream. Give me a solid pint. Let's see what that looks like. 
Bring that pine home, hit that with watching some Shameless, and it's over. <laughs> so you like ice cream? <laughs> love ice cream. Pra- praline love ice cream. cream. I love. Oh, you say pralines? That's what you said. Praline ice cream, right? Yeah. I mean, I said pralines, but maybe that's just I, I just been saying it wrong for like twenty five years. <laughs> but that's like that caramel stuff, All, almond caramel. Yes, exactly yeah. right. Pralines. Yeah. yeah, it's pralines. Sorry, yeah. people. English is a second language. <laughs> My Spanish is impeccable, by the way. <laughs> No, it's not. <laughs> Habla español, que bien. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. Now, the, the hard question, and I, I get sucked into this, is do you like to read the comments on your cigars? I, um, I love to read the comments on my cigars. I found so many interesting ones. Um, yes, but it, it's... It, can you I, share I, any? I can sometimes, I, um, I have... Sometimes I, 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 when I see some of these comments, I always wonder, did they just have like, uh, like orange juice in the morning or they just like love me so much? I mean, cause it can be anywhere from like, oh my God, this thing is like a rubber soul or, oh my God, this is like a cigar made in heaven. And we're talking about, you know, two same, two, two different, entirely different people, right? From two different areas. And it's just, to me, that's always fascinating. Um, but I, I love to always kind of be, you know, in connection with what's happening out there. Do you so. ever comment back on like an alias? <laughs> like never. An alias? No, you never comment back. Never coming back. I didn't even come back when that article from the Washington Post came out and there was like over 180 comments uh, uh, posted about, you know, there was there was this article in the Washington Post yeah, that said NASA analyst leaves $200,000 a year job to sell cigars. And um, it was posted online. It was in the Washington Post and it was, it went very fast over a day or two, just the comment period was going crazy. People were calling me, oh my God, this guy is the reason we have, you know, uh, uh, high interest rate and then, you know, for mortality in this country, uh, this guy is the merchant of death, you know, or leave it to the Washington Post to allow for tobacco to take over the world and kill us all. I oh mean, I was like, gosh. people, uh, I, uh, it's Never a story smoke. about entrepreneurship. Yeah. Okay? Let's just relax a little bit. And Never so, smoke a cigar. <laughs> Never smoke. It was like this guy this mama's dungeon you know what i mean trying to like make some comments but i always so i find those fascinating but there was all their people also that you know would comment back and say things like you know it's like it's just sort of about entrepreneurship it wasn't necessarily about you know anything else and right. tobacco or anything like that you just happened to sell cigars right um but it was always funny to uh to kind of see this i didn't even respond to those comments i don't respond to comments that are made usually on online i just uh you gotta let people uh you know talk freely I, I agree. <laughs> I, I look at them and laugh and go, okay, that's interesting. Um, over your time in the industry, because you came out obviously with Fratello in 2016, was it? 2013. 2013. Yeah. Um, so you've had quite a bit of time in the industry. What differences do you see in how people enjoy cigars? From the moment I launched to the moment to right now, yeah. Like, what's the difference in how people are enjoying them? I think people are enjoying it now. Um, I would, I would even say, it changed way more now during the pandemic than uh, than it did prior. Right. Um, I think I didn't see really any changes between 2013 and you know prior pandemic. After the pandemic, I did see um, quite a shift. I saw more of people enjoying cigars with their significant other. I saw more people um, smoking more cigars at home, becoming more creative with what they were doing at home. Um, a lot of these Zoom meetings I thought were going to end, and I would say like probably about 70% did, but 30% of those like meetings that somebody would have with his buddy in you know in his basement or something like that or, or just enjoying a cigar kept on going. And so I get invited to a lot of these things all the time, so I know some of these things are, are ongoing. So I think it's uh, I think the moments and the places changed. Sure. I don't think you're seeing as many people going in and smoking uh, cigars uh, uh, at, at, at brick and mortar. So you can kind of see like the norm, the normal of what it was before, kind of getting normal again. But these guys are selling more cigars, and what they're doing is they're selling it to people that are going into the store, leaving and, and taking right. that cigar back to their you know specific place. It's interesting where people smoke because even when I worked in retail. I saw an influx of people just coming in on Fridays to get their cigars for their cabin or for their, you know, weekend, whether they're golfing or whatever, but they never smoked in the shop. 
that wasn't the area that they wanted yeah. to hang out. And then there's other people that like that's where they 100%. That, they can't smoke at home because either you know they don't have a space or they don't want to be outside. That's right. And and other people don't like to smoke inside at all. Yeah. They like to smoke outside. So Minnesota is kind of that weird area because I mean majority of the the year you're yeah. you're under uh, snow cover so yeah. it's yeah. tough and I, to smoke. And I, and I heard in Minnesota there's a there's you can you can build like a little house on the lake you know break some sort of ground in the middle and it'd be very hot and like inside that little that little box and then you get a step outside it's like minus 20 degrees you know why don't you tell me a little bit more about that like this is the ice fishing this yes yes and you just like break a hole in the middle and just like start fishing and you smoke yeah. cigars you and- have like an auger <laughs> <laughs> yeah you have an this auger this is amazing i need to do gas-powered this gas-powered auger you drill a hole in the ice you put a you, like you said an ice shack over it you heat that sucker up with a little buddy and then, uh, you know, you're fishing That's with a insane. coat off. That's incredible. Yeah, that it's incredible. great. But you people, step outside and it's minus 20 Oh, degrees. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and some people sleep in them. Like some of them, they have them like trailers where oh, wow. it's like a big trailer. They The wheels pop up. It goes down and they sleep out there the whole weekend. It's yeah. like a little mini ice cabin. <sighs> yeah. We got to get you ice fishing sometime. Yeah. yeah, it'll we'll be, you know, it's a bucket list. Bucket list, and it's done. <laughs> Santorini is a bucket list, okay? That's yeah. you know, yeah, over, yeah, yeah. Over, it's overrated. Yeah, too yeah. many pictures. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Everyone does that. Everyone exactly. can go somewhere warm. No one can go somewhere cold. Exactly, right? exactly. You gotta be slightly insane to do that. <laughs> no, I like it. Oh my god, I love it. Do you think social media has changed the way the cigar industry has experienced cigars? I mean, you talked a little bit about the Zoom, yeah. but other than that, I mean, I just think of like social media as like, I can see so many more cigars yeah. now than I could back in like 2010. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I think, uh, I think they're, the way people are getting their recommendations for cigars are coming now from not only the tobacconist, which is usually was the primary source and magazines, right. but now they're getting it from from you. They're getting it from from us talking about cigars. They're getting it from their peers. They're getting it from uh, a beautiful lady that they see all of a sudden is connecting and that they respect and they understand that you know what you know what she or he is trying to like convey their content and and and, and YouTubers. And so I think there is. 100% more influence upon your decisions. And there's also a lot of misinformation. I mean, it happens oh, yeah. all the time. It's like, a, um, you know, with, you know, allow for people to talk and express themselves and you're going to have, you know, 80% of comments and a lot of people are doing, oh my God, this is the best cigar in the world. And there's other 80% It's like, I hate it because I saw this guy's political views or I hate this because, you know what I mean? It's like, right. but I, I also find it fascinating because at the end of the day, what you cannot cheat yourself out is a good cigar. I right. mean, when you go in and you buy the Fratello and you're smoking it, I want you to have an amazing experience. If you're not, then I need to go back, revise what's going on. And so we constantly have our foot, like our our, uh, our foot in the gas to kind of make sure that everything is going the right way. But um, you 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 can't. You have to be able to take, you know, either criticism or recommendations the right way, Rob. Right. But. You have to make sure that whatever it is that you came into market with is quality and is consistent and it's going going. So that's why I'm very proud to work with uh, my two partners uh, uh, in Nicaragua and Dominican Republic because they've kept not only our blend and our visions uh, uh, to perfection, but they've also been able to, you know, stay the course and stay consistent, which is not easy to do. Yeah, well said. Do you like to use social media to promote your brand? Or would you just rather do live events and interact with people face-to-face? I like to do both. Yeah. I like to do both. Um, social media allows me to have a larger reach. Uh, events allow me to ha- keep my pulse on on our customer base on a one-on-one. There's things that you cannot tell me on, on online. I'm sorry. You mm-hmm. can say a comment. You can interact. We can have a thread of 20 conversations. I'm yeah. sorry. That's going to account for 10% of what we're going to do when we're talking face-to-face. Right. You and I have probably talked right now more than we have in the last 90 years. Right. And I know I've seen you, met you like a thousand times, and still right now is the time where we have a chance to sit down and talk. And it was just, you know, we, we sh- it's the same thing across social media. It's the same thing across the webosphere. So it's just it just depends. I agree with that. Yeah. What is your favorite meal? And if I came to your town, 
Where would you take me out for dinner and why? Mm, this is a very good question. So um, I'm Dominican, so I'm always I'm always going to be uh, a fanatic for uh, Dominican food. Uh, rice, habichuelas uh, guisadas, which is when I say beans, people, it's not the same kind of beans, okay? We take care of our beans. We cook them for like at least at least sixteen hours from the moment that we put them to like kind of like uh, uh, get the you know loosen up that strength of the Start. you know yeah like uh, we we call it ablandar las habichuelas, which is to soften up the beans, right? So the moment you put them in, and the next you. The next day you you grab them and they're already soft, and then you can start working on your method. We take care of uh, we have habichuelas quesadas, which is uh, uh, basically beans, but it's we have a different method of cooking them. So we right. make it in like a stew format, and it's very unique. Um, and so that is kind of my favorite because I grew up eating this kind of stuff. But if you are ever in the DC area, I'm gonna take you to the best steakhouse. Um, in the Washington, D.C. metropolitan region, which is called Omar de Frias' home. <laughs> and uh, you, you, you will be blown away. You like to cook steak. This is my thing. What's your preferred method of cooking it? Is so, it- in, indoors. I do, it, uh, I do it on the grill. I don't, I don't do it on the grill. I do it in, uh, in my cast iron skillet. Okay. Um, what about before that, though? Are you going? Are you doing the sous vide, or are you going straight onto the skillet? I would, I would never do the sous vide. Never do the sous vide. I think you're cheating the process. Really? One hundred percent. So those of you who sous vide, according to Omar, it's you're the, cheating. Cheating the process, man. Just, How come? Just because you got to be able to have your stove. You have to know your stove. Yeah. You have to know your cast iron, and you got to know your meats. If you have the ability to know those three and then regulate temperature, understand that after two minutes, it's time to go in my stove. Could be in your stove is a minute 30 where you, you know, searing that steak or did you spend a lot, the solid 15, 20, 25 minutes to let that steak kind of ambiance itself to the room temperature? Did you do that? Did you not? So there's, there, you have to know before you try all the sous vide little things, go in and understand every aspect of it, right? And then how does your oven cook? I said it's a 425 before you put that steak inside that oven to make sure that you get that medium rare to perfection. Or do you wait? Do you wait uh, a minute outside and then put it back and then put it in? Or do you wait three minutes or four minutes so at 425? It's just, you got to Break down it. your process. So well, you, you, this is intense. <laughs> I like this. I leave it to a NASA analyst. I right? love it. Let's to go, go in full throttle. I spent eight years. I'm not kidding. I spent eight years working on my own personal hobo. Okay, I got my own personal spices, my salt, pepper. I put, you know, uh, uh, garlic. I put onion powder. I put white pepper. It is a, it is to perfection. There's not just, it's not just me putting white pepper and black pepper and just, you know, fig- it's so like you measured. out the ratio oh, of your own seasoning. 100%. Okay, so that, that's a whole new level. Okay, that so is a whole new level. let's just side table that because let's that's that a whole discussion. <laughs> so if you're into seasoning, you got to figure that. Yes, out. Okay. that's the first thing. And then what? Then you got to figure out your your steak. Okay, so depending on the steak that you're cooking, uh, it's going to determine the amount of heat that you apply to that cast iron. So for me, um, I like to cook New York strips in my cast iron skillet. Um, I like to cook uh, ribeyes on my cast iron skillet. I like to cook uh, um, tenderloins, but do I prefer out of those three, which one to me is the epitome of perfection with my cast iron skillet is the New York steak because it doesn't have that high content of fat unless I'm cooking a prime cut of beef, which, you know, you know, one of those yeah. USC ESDA prime that has a little bit more of that fat content and a little bit more of that fat interlaced through the steak. Or am I cooking a, a ribeye that is a USDA choice, right? So, you know, never a select. But, you know, USDA choice, right? And so you get a chance to experience different temperatures. So you have to adjust your skillet to the moment and depending on the steak so that it can come out as medium rare. Don't ever do anything above medium rare. Medium rare to perfection. And we learned at Manny's that they have a different scale. They do. So she said <laughs> rare was pink on the inside but cold. Mm-hmm. Medium rare was pink on the inside but warm. And then medium was more like medium rare where it was like yeah, yeah. pink on the inside a little <laughs> bit but warmer. Manny's, we love you, but there is something <laughs> wrong about what you guys we, are saying, okay? <laughs> she had to break it down to us because we're like, what exactly? And then you even said 
because you're a rare guy. Yeah. But you I'm went a medium, medium rare guy. Moment. You went medium rare there because you were like, I like the inside pink, yeah. warm, yeah. not cold. <laughs> so, 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 Manny's, uh, this message is for you. Uh, medium rare is warm red center. Okay, people, let's get this right. Okay, and um, but the way we were approached at the table, I thought it was very funny. Was like, all right, guys, we uh, we cook our, our, our steaks in the rare in the rare side, and I was like, okay, perfect. That's always good to know in a steakhouse. Yeah. Because now I know what I'm going to tell her is medium rare, but I don't want it on the rare side. I want it on the, you know, more warm side, right? So right. you kind of, but you, you can you can tell that within the medium rare, if you cook it on the rare side, just bring it up a notch so that it's not, right? You just right. want to move it to the right scale. But they, she came around and says, okay, guys, so um, uh, rare is cold red center. Uh, medium rare is cold center, red, less, less, you know, and then medium is like warm red center. And then medium well is like a pink in the middle, warm. And I'm like, so wait, so, so your medium is medium rare. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Just shift the scale. Why not just call it medium rare? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah it's just shifting the scale. Everything. Like, I don't know why. I mean, maybe I it's a Minneapolis thing. You I know? don't know. I think it's a Manny's thing. <laughs> maybe it's a Manny's thing. I really thing. think it's a Manny's thing. It is a Manny's thing. thing. Yeah, yeah, no, But I thought it was fascinating. It's like, mm, I don't mean to call this out a little bit, but maybe you can explain it. So it sounds like, though, you, you do some skillet work, and then you might do some oven work yes. as well. So I um, once you get your – once you know the steak, once you leave it for 20, 25 minutes before – let it ambiance. You put your steak. Wait, we're you putting your... the raw steak out in the room temperature for 20, 25 minutes. Exactly. Okay, you got to so do let, that. We don't want to go from the fridge to the skillet. Never, ever, ever you want to do that. Absolutely not. I, I do that, so I got to yeah. stop doing that. Okay. Stop, stop doing Okay. That. And then after 25 minutes, are we going into the skillet? We're going into the skillet. So the skillet's got to be Real very, hot. very, 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 very hot. Sear it. As right? hot as you possibly can so you can sear it. Okay. Um, I, I tend not to put two steaks because it tends to cool down the skillet. So I tend to do one steak at a time. That's smart. Um, and so it allows for the steak to kind of have its own, like, you know, flow to it. If you put three steaks, you know you're going to have to, it, it will not work the same way. You won't have the same sear. So uh, never, ever, you know, clean, ever, ever clean my, my cast iron skillet. No. Ever. In the right. It's seasoned. Yes. 100%. Yeah. And then what I do is once my steak is seared, then it goes inside the oven. And when it goes inside the oven, that's where the party starts, right? Because you that's when you regulate, right? That's the sous vide moment for you guys right there. Yeah. It's the moment where you regulate your beef, man, and you know exactly what, how many minutes is going to be for you if you want it rare or if you want it medium rare. And if you want it medium, then, you know, you're pushing it. If you want it medium <laughs> well, then you got to get the hell out of my house. So it is... <laughs> The way it goes. There's no in between. You don't use a thermometer either. You just time it. Thermometer? Yeah, thermometer. What? I would think a nasty guy would be like, I got to have the data and I want to know and I got to get this and I got to get that. People do not pinch your steaks, okay? Please do not touch your steak until the moment you put that fork in yeah. and you're about to eat it, okay? If you're going to puncture your steak, make sure it's in your plate with your knife and your fork. Ready to eat. Yes. I so you, you you gauge the minutes inside the oven, and then do you come back out and do any skill, more skillet work, yeah, or you're done? So, uh, so I take it up a notch. I put uh, about when it's halfway through, I put a stick of butter in the in, in inside oh, yeah. the steak, and then just close it again so it allows to kind of like – I don't like to do it at the very beginning because it kind of melts too fast and doesn't allow for the butter to really kind of sink in. And so when I take it out, it's only about a minute or two before I pull it out. I take the steak and I put it on a plate. I don't put it on a warm plate ever because that continues to, you know, that's cool. why Chris, you know, Ruth Chris is like a place. Much love, guys, but, you know, I don't usually go there because they, <laughs> they bring it and they keep on cooking the damn thing in a right. hot skillet. In a, it's like a hot plate. I don't want to cook more of my steak. Leave right. it like that. So I put it on a plate and I cover it with, uh, with foil paper. And then oh. I leave it for about three to four minutes so that the distribution of the juices happen, which is something that um, not a lot of people do. But if you do, uh, it, it's going to change your life. You, juices will distribute. If I put a uh, very warm uh, uh, iron on your uh, on your skin, first thing it's going to do is going to get a lot of that blood rushing into this particular location to make it red. That's what happens with muscle, right? Right. So um, if you do the same thing with steak, it's exciting that it's happening, right? So it's you know, what you just want to do is just allow for that the amount of heat that your steak has been 
involved with to just let loose and so kind of redistribute all those juices. And so when you puncture that steak, my man, it's perfection. So that's where I would, uh, I know it was a long invitation, but that's where I would invite you. No, it's good. Now, cast iron, do you, did you source your cast iron as like new and season it yourself? Did you seek out one that was already pre-seasoned or? I've owned uh, three cast irons. The one that I'm on right now is about a year and a half in. With, uh, Can you not re-season it after you season it once and it gets clean? I don't clean? think so, man. I, I don't mean to mess you around. You want to start from I want to start from scratch. Yeah. I don't want anything going on with it. And so what I try to do is just make sure that my um, that my cast iron is is seasoned to Fratello, Omar Fratello spices and flavors. So we talked a little bit about this the other night too. And, you know, building a brand and getting momentum is pretty difficult. I mean, you're you have a lot going on with, either social media or yeah. the internet, plus you have local markets. And you and I talked a lot about local markets. Yeah. You know, hotbeds in the country where there's more cigar smokers than other places. Yeah. You know, Minneapolis, you said, was kind of one that was good. Yeah. Texas is definitely a good one. Uh, Chicago, New the East Coast is yeah. crazy intense about cigars in, yeah. in a good way. And you know what I noticed about even Miami? So Miami was like this place where you went and the cigar wasn't a thing people were like, what is that? Uh, the cigar, because of the culture down there, was like, yeah, I know. My, my grandpa or my grandma or somebody worked in the cigar business. Or we just we bring cigars out like we bring out a bottle of wine yeah. when we gather. Yeah. So people know how to smoke them, and it's not this stigma. Yeah. So there's these different hotbeds across the entire nation. 100%. And as you look at that, is that how you're kind of targeting – to release your brand because obviously getting that traction through those markets is tough we uh we do it in a very different way i mean we uh we've been um we've been fortunate to have been doing this for nine years now um and and, and establishing and continue to establish a brand is not easy um you may be hot now and then slow tomorrow and then hot later and i think that happens throughout the period of just life and, and, and process and, you know, enjoying uh, different blends. But I think that they, at the end of the day, it's like what you have to release is, has to be based and it has to be in a vertical integration with your with your core values and your brands, right? Fratello is all about, you know, giving the consumer a very quality, high quality product at a great price. That's what we're all about, right? We 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 love and we're all you know, we're all about blending tobaccos from many different regions or many different locations, uh, and giving and teaching the consumer a little bit about those ingredients. And so we love that communication aspect of it. Like the Arlequin, for example, the cigar we're smoking right now has tobacco from uh, four different regions, including Ecuador, Mexico, Dominican Republic, Nicaragua. Right, and then it's got a Peruvian filler tobacco that is so unique, right? And so, for me, in the way that I see it, is being able to launch a cigar has to do much more with your culture as a cigar company than what you're looking to do with that cigar in the different regions, right? I mean, if people can value and 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 and, and see your vision. They're looking at Fratello as a company that's going to give them an amazing cigar, and they're looking at Fratello as somebody that's just coming in and launching cigars up in the air and saying, oh, this, this one's connected. Let's go ahead and put a brand on it. Let's put it and launch it into the market. It has to have meaning for your company and your culture, right? I mean, that's why you don't see Padron or Fuente uh, or Oliva for that, you know, like, you know, just launching cigars left and right. These guys have been able to create brand recognition through their amazing cigars, right? And so being able to send that message across and have that message be one that people follow the company, not the blends, then right. they will understand it a little bit better. That's good. What types of sacrifices did you have to make in order to deliver the cigars to the market? I mean, <laughs> I uh, before I started the uh, Fratello, I was twenty one percent body fat. Um, I was enjoying, uh, you know, going into the work at seven o'clock in the morning, leaving around six six thirty, being done with my day. Uh, having a nightcap drink, a little bit of, uh, you know, prosciutto and a little bit of uh, uh, Spanish uh, quesos and, and cheeses. Um, and, uh, you know, I said, that's too good of a life. 
Now I want blood pressure, high blood pressure. Do I want some uh, high cholesterol? You know what I mean? I want something to like spin it off a little bit on me. You just make it, make it it's too boring. Right. You know? So I want to wake up in the morning and think of Rotella. I want to go to sleep at night and think of Rotella. I mean, and so I, I am fascinated by entrepreneurship. I am fascinated by strategy. Uh, and I'm fascinated by, uh, by delivering uh, a product into market that people can see by vision and they uh, and that they have the ability to and that we have the ability to be at specific moments in people's lives so when a lot of people ask me it's like what makes your day it's like what makes my day is that um, I wake up in the morning and I see a post by somebody else smoking a Fratello and they're enjoying it while they're hanging around or they were hanging around with their wife at night and they were just enjoying an hour and a half of their life where the guy came into the cigar shop took his wallet out and said, this is what I would like to enjoy tonight with my wife. Enjoys it. And that's that. That's why we go a lot with those hashtag Fratello moments. And like, I want to see those things because it really does create a culture. It creates a movement around your brand that people are, are spending not only their money, but they're spending their time, mm-hmm. okay? Their time of, of, of enjoyment around their loved ones with your other companion, which is going to be your cigar, it's just incredible for me. Yeah. Underneath your hobbies, obviously basketball was a big hobby. You played professionally in the DR. Yeah. And then went on, obviously, to to do that also through the United States Exchange Program. But an interesting one on here is salsa dancing. I've tried salsa dancing, like yeah. formally. I'm trying to get taught. And I, I, I come from being able to dance. Salsa mm. dancing is a different type of dance yes it is you got to be in tune with your partner and as a leader the male leads you have to know how to lead so that she knows yeah what's next yeah so how much salsa dancing have you done you do this on a regular basis i do i try to get out and salsa dancing every city i can haven't found a place here in minneapolis unfortunately and i was working too hard already so i couldn't get it uh i love merengue bachata salsa i love i love music i love i go into my house and the first thing i do is i put some music on and uh um it's you know what it is it's 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 a it's also a form of exercise mm-hmm. um and it and it and it just and but it, it 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 connects so many things in my brain it just makes me happy at the same time while i'm doing an exercise and whatnot and so um salsa is 100 percent a different animal there's you know dancing salsa on one there's dancing salsa on two depending on how people do it i don't really care as long as you can you know get along in the dance floor right so i don't know maybe we need to get you in a different uh, salsa course and uh, see see those hips how they kind of yeah. like you know no. break and move yeah exactly i know i know you got it I yeah can see I just, it. it's not easy not easy it is not easy. not easy not easy why did you choose this career and you said i didn't how how could you have not i mean you made a conscious choice to to not further your career in nasa and go into cigars so when i answer that question um to the way i see it is you never really choose i think i think kind of like the lifestyle chooses you um i wanted to create I wanted to create products. I wanted to create something incredible, but I wanted to do something that I enjoyed, I loved, right? So um, I love alcohol and wine as much as I love cigars. I think it's a much harder um, access to market for those things than it is for cigars. Right. The, the, the reason I say, you know, this kind of lifestyle chooses you is because you can go with this lifestyle in many different directions. You can do, if you want to get into the cigar industry, you can do retail. You can do, um, you can do accessories. You can do, um, you know, brand management. You can do distribution. You can do wholesaling. You can do a thousand different things, right? Um, Jesus, I mean, Robo Cowell did a lot, was doing a living on, you know, supplying and some of the most high end, you know, places and markets and, 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 and restaurants in Miami before he got into, you know, the, the, his, making his own brand. Robert so, Cowell. Yeah, Robert yeah. Cowell. So, he's a good friend and, uh, and I admire these kinds of stories, but you choose 
um, this kind of lifestyle kind of chooses you uh, because if you are, have the ability to connect in the market and want to connect with people at a more personal level, then there is a particular um, lifestyle that you can choose and a particular line of you know uh, of business that you can choose within the cigar industry to, to get that to get to that. So once I started uh, creating something, which is I definitely wanted some of my creativity to go through what our brands, you know, reflect in the market. And I started traveling and connecting with people saying, man, I really enjoyed this, the aspect of the brand building uh, um, product creation of this industry. It's, it's the challenge of launching something into the market and the scare aspect for me, which is, you know, you have a particular product that you want to launch. You don't know how the market's going to receive it. You you have the vision in your head and it's so clear. And you know you're going to annihilate it. But that moment when you launch it and then you start seeing kind of like the floodgate of orders, you know, when we launch a new product, it's like, yes, it connected. Or, man, this is going to take a little bit longer. That kind of waiting period to me is exciting. Okay. Yeah. That keeps you on the edge of your seat. It does, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Good point. You said that uh, Steve Jobs, he had a commencement address at Stanford. That yeah. that's what made you decide to go and launch Fratello. Yeah, I um, at that time at NASA, I was uh, I was you know I had already achieved what I wanted to achieve. I got like I said, I got to a GS fifteen, managing and executing a five billion dollar budget for for NASA. Um, that budget alone accounts for close to 10% of all the science done in the work. That's how much data management, data transfer we do, right. um, technology transfer we do in the agency. What, what for me, what ends up translating into, um, into this industry and into, you know, coming from kind of like, you know, some of the things that I love to bring from that from those experiences the program management's out of the house the data 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 information management and translate that into a business like fratello is is also very challenging for a number of reasons if i choose to bring in data from our customers i have data coming in and saying people are enjoying just to give you an idea people are enjoying the arlequin they're enjoying the sorella or they're enjoying the fratello classico what are the information when you asked me the question earlier about customer reviews we, have our, we definitely are looking into this all the time, and we're seeing the comments. We want to see what people are thinking, right? Because it's kind of like that pulse in the market of what people are saying. But then right. there's also the information that you're getting from your retailers. You know, your, your, your retailers are saying an entirely different story. They're telling you, Omar, we have events every 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 Thursday. We have a, a, a gentleman's club that comes here every, every Tuesday. Getting that information and tackling those groups so that you can continue to expand upon your brand is incredibly hard. And you, and, 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 but... But if you have the right information, you can tackle it, right? Right, and so um, data and data information management is kind of what we're all about, and it's kind of one of the things that I transfer from that experience at NASA that uh, transfer into my cigar industry, into my cigar business, um, and uh, and and I and I love it because I can tailor things around it as well. Right, and that's and that's powerful. What was it about Steve's uh, commencement speech that got you to say, "Oh, I'm going to do cigars now"? So. Um, that moment when I was literally struggling with what would happen if I if I choose to either leave NASA or go to my SES CDP, um, a friend of mine sent me a commencement address um, uh, by Steve Jobs that, you know, I've heard this a million times before. Uh, the moment where, you know, somebody says the only way to do great work is to love what you do. You've heard it a million times, right? Um, I know I heard it a million times before he said it in that moment, but when he said it in that speech um, in Stanford, and it just resonated with me at that time. So I think sometimes is, you know, you can you can hear the message um, multiple times, but it's not until you're a particular moment in your life that if a message like that comes through, then that it has in place in a different meaning. Right. So, um, so for me, I was at that moment at NASA where I was like, I wanted to do something fun, something different, something personal, something that I loved. And literally, that's what motivated me to start Fratello. So Fratello at that point was not nope. what you were doing. So mm -hmm. then you were doing NASA and Fratello for four years. 
before you decided to flip the switch and go in all in on Fratello. That's right. There's, I think, an aspect there as well, not just what you love, but how can you divide your time between two different careers? Yeah. And was there a time that you said, I got to stop doing this NASA thing? Or just say in general, I got to stop doing all these other things and focus only on Fratello. Yeah, it was called broad pressure. I was about to die on the market while doing both things. I was working 90 hours a week, you know? Right. <laughs> it was, I was killing myself. I was, I, I, you know, and I'm a workaholic. I'm, I, I still do. I, I, I think one of the, one of the things that I appreciate the most and one of the uh, quotes that I appreciate the most is one from Mark Cuban. And uh, he said that, uh, you know, you, you have to constantly outwork and outsmart everybody else in, yeah. in your entire territory. And that's what I always strive to do. Um, it's uh, I came into this industry as, you know, nobody knew who the hell I was. I, I was 34 years old. Sure. Um, people were like, so wait, you got the PCA trade show. There's 120 brand new brands we're not even talking about launched brand by existing companies new right. companies coming into the trade show and um and you know fortunately out of 120 plus and hundreds of more that have come in and and, and left immediately after that we're still here and we're still yeah. growing we're in over 800 retailers nationwide rob we're in 18 countries right now we just signed in with uh, abu dhabi uh we just uh, launched with uh israel just recently as well we got new distribution partners in belgium so we we take this with a lot of pride was there ever a time that you thought this is just not going to work out i gotta i gotta go i gotta do something else i gotta close fratello and this is it never Never. No, never. The only time that I ever, uh, um, I get this question a lot, do you ever regret leaving NASA and, and, you know, and going full throttle on cigars? And I said, the only time that I ever happened was in 2017 when I, um, I, I was looking at my first quarter. I already knew I was having a massive year in 2016, Rob. Um, and I was like ready, but majority of the people in the industry in 2016, they were leaving the industry. They weren't getting in. Right. This is the time when the regulations, uh, the worst regulations in the hint, in the history of the cigar industry were hitting, and that's when probably about 80 brands just dropped completely out of the blue right. that you never saw ever again. That's when, at that moment, that's when those brands um, left, and I doubled down. And I left NASA to do this full-time. And the only moment where I regret it was January and February of 2017 when I uh, when I started looking at my sales and I looked at 2016 sales of January and February. I'm like, what the? I sold the same amount of cigars, but I'm not making $200,000 a year now? What the? Yeah. When the hell did I just do? Right. And I was like... I wanted to start crying, but then instead of doing that, I basically uh, doubled down. So instead of being on the road, um, you know, two days of the week, I I went crazy. I was on the road on a Monday, uh, first thing, come back home on a Sunday, and repeat it again. Um, on that moment in March, all the way through 2017, 2018, 2019, and uh, when we haven't stopped. But listen, you to be able to build a brand where you go inside that humidor, man, and the first thing that you think is, you know, your favorite brand, you think about Arturo Fuente, you think about Padron, you think about Fratello, to have that consumer remember your brand to the point that he's coming in and he kind of knows already what is in his top three rotation, it's one of the hardest things to do. That's why when people ask me, it's like, hey, man, you know, how's it, how's it, how much does it take to build a brand? It takes, well... Think about it this way. I mean, Macanuda's been around for, what, 60, 70 years? Right. I mean, uh, some of these brands, uh, you know, Fuente's been around for 100 years. You know, yeah. Orlando Padron, 50-plus years. Right. Rocket Patel, 30 years. I mean, people think, it's like, oh, my God, this is an overnight success. This is happening mm -hmm. like this. Uh, go back in a few years, and you can see what's going on. I heard that there's this burger in uh, Minneapolis, oh. it's very unique. It's Juicy Juicy something. Juicy Lucy. Juicy Lucy. Dude, I want a Juicy Lucy. I want to do an episode of Imperfect Parents with Juicy Lucy. In this I area. love it. You like it? Would you yeah. be my, would yeah. you be my co-host Yeah, 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 I'm in. Let's do it. Because I think I would flip out trying to figure out how you guys put in this 
cheese inside this patty. Like, I, I, I don't understand this. So I got to see it. Uh-huh. And I got to uh-huh. do, we got to do a pairing with a cigar. So it's going to be, we need to do that today. <laughs> I love the fact that you're doing imperfect pairings. Yes. Because you're yes. doing stuff that's off, like, not the social norm. Yes, yes. So that's our YouTube channel. It's uh, it's imperfect pairings, and it's one that I um, I personally love doing. Since I travel so much, man, I like I told you, we have a very big presence in Europe as well. So I, I go to like places like uh, the north of Spain, and I do uh, a pairing with oysters and cigars. Um, don't, don't do that again. <laughs> I did it for you people, um, but it's unique. It's different. Um, I've done uh, pairings with Eduardinho and Ginginia, which is a uh, um, you know spirits for fruit extract out of uh, out of uh, cherries that happens in Portugal. But I've done things with Palinka out of Hungary, which is a you know a a spirit also that is very unique to Hungary. And so there's uh, I try to find and and pick out things that are unique to a location and present it to the consumer so that the guys can see it so check it out on imperfect pairings and uh, youtube so you can see a little bit of that what that content looks like but love i gotta it. do something here man i, I think that it. burger could be that fun. juicy lucy would juicy be lucy and it sounds so good already oh, too it is so good. <laughs> there's it is a couple so of places that i think in town have claimed that they are the matt's bar and 858 went see? head to head okay uh yeah so those are the those are the hot spots. I'm, I'm sure other people do it as well, but we would definitely hit those up. Love it. All right, let's do it. That that wraps it up for another episode of Box Press. Omar, thank you so much for joining me. I can't thank you enough for just even letting me know you were going to come in town and yeah. come in and shoot this. And That's take amazing. Time, thank you so much for inviting me, and uh, um, I definitely look forward to seeing what uh, what uh, some of those. Uh, some of those interesting pairings would look like going forward and uh but big fan of you of you and what you guys have done here and uh big fan of bovitas uh so congratulations thanks man appreciate it you guys know where to get bovita if you need bovita head over to bovitainc.com or check it out at your local retailer protect those cigars because they're worth protecting thank you all for watching subscribe and like if you like this there's more episodes coming every other week mm-hmm.